Do you know what that sound is? I, that's actually rec- that's a recording. I just like I just wanted to do some um, ASMR of a Korean barbecue restaurant. Do you know why? Well, you're gonna find out really, really soon. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Bamboo History Podcast. For those of you who don't know what this is, the Bamboo History Podcast is a podcast about Chinese and East Asian history. If this content is up your alley, please subscribe to my channel and also follow my Instagram as well at Bamboo History Podcast. The Instagram is really good if you want to see some visuals relating to my episodes and also some extra history content that I post up there that aren't podcast episodes. Alright, let's just get straight into it. Today is a really exciting episode because again, like the episodes that I've done before, I always do a food special because I love food so much. And today is no different. Today is going to be a mm, delicious episode. Today, we're going to focus on a Korean dish that a lot of people I know love and I personally really enjoy too. This is the history of the very, very famous Korean barbecue. Before I begin my episode, just a disclaimer, I'm not a Korean speaker, so apologies to anyone who speaks Korean if I'm getting the Korean pronunciations wrong. I also wanted to disclaim that if I make any references to just Korea, if it's in the modern context, it will be referring to South Korea and not North Korea. Okay, hope that clarifies things. Now let's get straight into the episode. So Korean barbecue is known in Korean as gogikul. And that means meat roast. For those of you who don't know what Korean barbecue is, it's a form of meat grilling where you put meat, seafood and vegetables all onto a grill. And the grill is usually a gas or charcoal grill. In restaurants, the grill is usually installed in the middle of the table with a ventilation fan from the top that comes down and sucks the air um, out, you know, into the sky. Obviously at home, you're not going to put a hole in the middle of your table so you'd usually do you'd usually just get a portable gas stove to grill your meat usually with these grilled meats at korean barbecues are a set of side dishes these side dishes consists of fermented vegetables like kimchi and they've got other bits and bobs too like tofu seaweed potato bean sprouts these side dishes are called banchan b-a-n-c-h-a-n I personally really love banchan because if you go to a good Korean barbecue restaurant, they give you the banchan before you get the meat so you can start digging into food straight away and then they top it up as well for free. So if you run out of, you know, the the mashed potato or whatever, just go, can I have another one? And they'll give you another one. That's what I really love about the Korean barbecue restaurants are the side dishes they give you and the free top-ups. Amazing. All right. In order to explain the history of Korean barbecue, we will need to dive into the origins of the main types of meat that is grilled in Korean barbecue, the bulgogi beef and the sangyopsol pork, as well as the origins of these banchan vegetable side dishes. Okay, without further ado, let's dive into the history of Korean barbecue. We'll have to go all the way back to the Goguryeo era. Goguryeo spelt G-O-G, U-R-Y-E-O. The Goguryeo era, or known in Chinese as Li, is an ancient period in Korea between the years 37 BCE to the year 668 CE. So yeah, a really, really long time ago. 
Gorgudio at the time consisted of many different tribes and groups of people, and it wasn't, you know, unified like present-day Korea. One of these tribes in Gorgudio was called the Mech. Mech spelt M-A-E-K. The Mech peoples originally weren't from Korea. They actually came to Korea from Central Asia and the Mongolian steppe. We don't know too much about the Mech people, but one thing we know is that they loved meat. And it's no surprise because if you want to live in places like Mongolia and Central Asia, the harsh steppe conditions, you know, it's freezing cold. You need to eat meat to survive. Like if you look at Mongolian dishes today, 99% of their dishes have meat in it. So yeah, if you're a vegan, it's not going to be easy for you. So yeah, the Mech people, they traveled long distances and to travel to Korea as well, they traveled a long distance as well. And by traveling long distances, you needed a way to preserve your meat because back then there wasn't, you know, refrigerators. So by the time they got to Korea, they were able to find a way of pre-salting the meat so that it wouldn't go bad. This meat dish was known as mekjok, spelt M-A-E-K-J-E-O-K. And mekjok is also known in English as meat on a skewer because they were literally thinly slices of meat that were put in a skewer and grilled. So the mekjok is the earliest reference to grilled meat in Korean culture. Now, meat lovers, be warned, because the story takes a twist. Because, from the 4th century onwards, Buddhism begins to take a hold of Korea. Buddhism doesn't really encourage meat consumption, so it meant for the Korean barbecue mekjok enthusiasts in Korea, wow, 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 bad luck. So the Buddhists came to Korea and they were like, that's it everyone, no more meat. And, you know, because Buddhism had taken hold of Korea and influenced the leaders of the Korean tribes, groups, and nation states at the time, they obviously imposed that onto the common people. So because of that, eating mekjok was discouraged and then prohibited as a food item for the Koreans. And if you wanted to eat it, you'd have to hide, you know, either in secret, like under a bed sheet, or you'd have to live so far away in the remote villages in Korea to be able to eat this meat without being found out and, you know, punished. So for a very, very long time, from the 4th century onwards, Koreans didn't really eat a lot of meat. But you know what that means, right? You always have to find a way to eat good food. So with less meat came more vegetables and more vegetable dishes. And this is where banchan originates. Remember those awesome free side dishes that I was talking about earlier? This is the banchan, and this was developed during this meat prohibition era. And if you think about it, without this era of prohibition, you wouldn't see all these delicious side dishes of kimchi, potato salad, bean sprouts, and tofu skin that you see in barbecue restaurants today that are served alongside the meat. But obviously for the meat lovers, the ban would come to an end eventually, and it came to an end when the Mongols invaded Korea in the late 1200s. Now, as I said earlier, because of the harsh conditions of the Mongolian steppe, the Mongols loved meat, and they really loved it. So when they came to Korea, they're like, well, it's just all vegetables. So you can imagine when a Mongolian came to Korea, you know, let's picture them going into a Korean restaurant at the time. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Korean man. Oh, hello, Mr. Mongolian man. What can I do for you? Uh, Mr. Korean man, I would love to eat some meat. What do you have on the menu? Oh, Mr. Mongolian man, how unfortunate. We don't have any meat on the menu. 
What, wait, what? What is this? Is this a vegan restaurant? No, Mr. Mongolian man, we just don't eat meat here. Oh, are you serious, mate? Mr. Korean man? You've got no meat? Oh, jeez, what a crap restaurant. That's it, I'm not eating here. So yeah, after the Mongolians took over Korea, they decided to reintroduce meat back into Korean cuisine. And along with the meat that was reintroduced into the Korean cuisine was mekjok. So yay, meat's back on the table. After the Mongolian occupation of Korea came the Joseon period of Korea, spelt J-O-S-E-O-N. During the Joseon period, Korean barbecue continued to develop. Mekjok, for example, developed into Seoramyok, spelt S-E-O-R-Y-A-M-Y-E-O-K. And this dish wasn't grilled, but rather it was a broth dish featuring marinated beef soaked into cold water. Another development during the Joseon period was that this beef dish, Seoramyok, developed into another dish called Nobiani, spelt N-E-O-B-I-A-N-I. Nobiani was a thinly sliced marinated beef that could be grilled, and this dish was very popular amongst the Joseon royal family. Mmm, oh. oh, makes my mouth water. So Nobiani was enjoyed by the royals purely, but by the 20th century, grilled beef was becoming more popular amongst the commoners too, and by this stage, it evolved into bulgogi, which is bulgogi that we see today. So how come bulgogi was able to expand its popularity? Well, here are some reasons. Now, the Choson royal family were able to eat beef because, you know, they were the royal family and they had a lot of money and stuff and status. But a lot of the commoners couldn't at the time because Korea was an agrarian society, which means they were heavily reliant on farming. And if you don't know much about farming in Asia, they rely a lot on cows. Cows are an important farming tool, so they're really valuable as an animal. So farmers aren't going to just kill their cows for meat because they need them for farming. By the early 20th century, by the 1920s, beef was becoming commercialised, so cows were being raised in farms specifically for meat. The commercialization of beef led to the opening of bulgogi restaurants, which meant that more commoners could go to these restaurants and enjoy beef. In the 1950s, Korean barbecue became even more popular, because after the Korean War, the US, you know, because the US soldiers were there, they brought over slicing machines, which meant they were able to slice beef really thinly. And this meant they were able to make more beef dishes, and then combined with the opening of sugar factories in Korea, they were able to produce the ingredients necessary for the sauces and glaze for the bulgogi beef. And then afterwards, the rest is history. Barbecue restaurants were opening left, right and centre in Korea. The Korean War had another impact. A lot of Koreans started families with American soldiers, and they went with them to the States after the war. And when the Koreans went to America, they started opening Korean barbecue restaurants. A large immigration wave from the 1960s to the 1980s occurred from Korea to the US as well, because there were internal problems in South Korea at the time, such as, you know, dictatorships. A massive wave of emigration to the US brought about even more Korean restaurants being opened up in Korean neighborhoods and places all, all around America. And from there, the Korean diaspora expanded all around the world, hence leading to the global popularity of this very famous dish, Korean barbecue. 
So that's a very brief history of the history of Korean barbecue. Now, before we finish, I also wanted to do a quick dive on the history of one of my favorite cuts of meat in Korean barbecue, the samgyeopsal. So samgyeopsal, which means three-layered meat in Korean, is a three-layered fatty pork belly meat that is used in Korean barbecue. For those who've been to Korean barbecue restaurants, well, how I do it is, I get the samgyeopsal, I put it on the grill, mm. then I use a pair of scissors, cut a piece for myself, cut a piece for someone else, get my piece, wrap it around this lettuce, put some garlic into that lettuce wrap with the meat, put it in my mouth, and then, oh, so good. Mm. Oh, delicious. So, samgyeopsal, spelt S-A-M-G-Y-E-O-P-S-A-L, is not like bulgogi because it's not beef, it's pork. It's quite unique in that sense because Historically, Koreans have been more of a fan of beef rather than pork. Now, this particular pork belly dish has been recorded as a dish since the early 20th century, during the Choson period, but it only became popular during the late 70s and the early 1980s. Now, the boom has been due to a few reasons. During the 70s in South Korea, they wanted to boost their economy through exports, and one of the things was to export pork. They exported pork to neighbouring places such as Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Japan. For example, Japan wanted pigs to fuel their consumption of, you know, pork dishes like tonkotsu. But those were the less fattier cuts of the pig. So the Koreans were able to export the less fattier cuts like pork loin and tenderloin to places like Japan. But that led to less desirable cuts such as pork belly remaining. And these cuts were really cheap, so they were, they were really popular amongst the Korean working class at the time in the 70s. And it was thought that it was also popular amongst the working class, such as miners and labourers, because they believed that eating the meat would help remove toxins and dust that the workers had been exposed to in their working environments. You know, like think of construction sites, deep down in the mines, all the dust and everything that gets into your face and mouth and all that. They thought that the samgyeopsal, by eating that, would remove these toxins. So popularity grew in the 70s, and in the 1980s, Koreans got a lot wealthier as well due to the growth of the economy, and more wealth meant more chances to eat meat, and pork consumption grew along with that. Sanggyeopsal is also known as a really good combination with soju, which is a cheap form of Korean liquor that really gets you drunk, like, really quickly. So this pairing as well boosted pork belly's popularity in Korea. And nowadays, samgyeopsal is so popular in Korean restaurants and Korean barbecue restaurants. Apparently, there's even a samgyeopsal day in Korea. I think it's like March the 3rd or something. So every year on samgyeopsal day, all these people in Korea just eat samgyeopsal. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And as I said earlier, it's one of my favorite cuts of meat as well. So uh, yeah, that was it. Um, if you haven't been to a Korean barbecue restaurant, do go to one, try the food, it's bloody amazing. Like, you, yeah, if you haven't had it, I think you're missing out. One of the takeaways I got from researching this topic was that I really like the development of banchan in Korean history. Like, obviously, for the people of Korea, not being able to eat meat because of the Buddhists was probably not a good situation for them. But, you know, as they say, one door closes, another opens. And if it wasn't for the Buddhist ban, we may not have witnessed a development of vegetable side dishes that would lead to banchan. 
So yeah, I think that principle can be applied to life as well. Just because you experience a setback doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It might lead you to something even better, like in this case, banchan. Although, technically, Korean bar- in Korean barbecue, the meat is still better than banchan. But anyway, you know what I mean, right? So yeah, that brings an end to this episode. I hope you enjoyed my spiel of the history of Korean barbecue. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast, follow my Instagram, and do contact me if you have any topic suggestions, feedback, or just general comments. And I do appreciate it if you can spread the word of the Bamboo History Podcast to anyone you know who loves Chinese history, East Asian history, or don't know about it but want to learn more about it. Okay, talking about Korean barbecue really makes me want to eat it now, so I'm going to go. Thanks everyone for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day or evening, and I'll see you all next time on the Bamboo History Podcast. Bye for now.